Anderson breaks three. One man to beat. Victor Cruz down the sideline. Cruz is going to take it all the way. Tied an NFL record. 99 yards from Manning to Cruz. Barkley straight ahead with a big hole. And running through is Saquon Barkley. And he's going in for a Giants touchdown. Giants turn to try and answer, and here's Saquon Barkley, and he's off to the races. The 30, the 20, Saquon for six. What is up, Giants fans, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Big Blue with JQ. I'm your host, Jack Cordero, alongside with me, my lovely co-host, Thomas Sinertia, and here we are on Monday night, recapping the Sunday night football loss to the Cleveland Browns Giants lost 20 to six. Um, Definitely not the best game for the Giants. Definitely wasn't the most entertaining game, but there is a lot to look at. So Tom, without further ado, my friend, how was your weekend? We'll start off with that. Weekend was a lot of fun. Just, you know, it was, it was championship Saturday for college. The the games were absolutely bananas. Every thing. I think every single game I watched was awesome. I liked Clemson to win. So obviously that's why that game was fun. The Florida-Alabama game was absurd. They combined for 99 points. Um, But my favorite part of the day, or I guess my favorite part of the weekend, was if nobody watched the Iowa State-Oklahoma game, the referees messed up. two. I think it was two calls in a row, right? The Iowa State coach absolutely lost his mind. I'm talking, pulled his mask off, screaming at the refs, who do you think you are? Who are you? It was was amazing. I'm sorry, but... uh, no, weekend was good. Giants got spanked on Sunday Night Football on national television, so that kind of sucked. But here we are. Show goes on. Here we are, Tom. It's, it sounds like you had a fun uh, college football weekend, though. I did get to catch some of the games. The Alabama game was amazing. Um, someone to look at that a lot of Giants fans on Twitter have been uh, starting to heat up and talk about is Devontae Smith. So yep. keep your keep an eye on him. I think he's a beast. He, he played very well against a very good Florida team, but – Besides that, let's get into this game because that's what we're here to do right now. Uh, I just want to start off by saying this time, Joe Judge came out with the most aggressive mindset I have ever seen him have this year. Yeah, that was uh, honestly, to be com- to be completely honest with you, I didn't watch the entire game. I obviously watched pretty much most of the first half, but yeah, we uh, we we went into that game with an attitude. It was it was kind of just a, you know, we're not scared of you in terms of Cleveland. Um, kept going for it on fourth down. I sometimes it all depends on the script, but I for one was a was a big believer in the Tom Coughlin method. What what is what was the one thing he always told us? You take the points. If you can get the points, you take the points. I know a lot of the the big analytics people they like to go for it sometimes because one is being aggressive and two it's just not being conservative. I don't know, but clearly it can help you out by going for it, and it can completely backfire. And last night it completely backfired because we. Should have been winning at one point, like I think nine to seven, if we kicked two field goals instead of going for it both times. Just, but really, it wasn't the fact that we went for it. The play calls on fourth down were just bananas. Tom, they were because the offense made it to the red zone the first three drives and only came out of it with three points. But yeah, Tom, it was definitely a couple of questionable calls. Like I'm kind of torn by this, Tom, because I like what Tom Coughlin said. Yes, you take the points, but Joe Judge said it best last night. You're not going to win the game with field goals. Even if the Giants ended up kicking four field goals last night, they still would have lost 20-12. to 12. But I do like how they were being aggressive. I just wasn't the biggest fan of their first drive. 
when they didn't get the third down of five play and they went for it on fourth and five with the field goal kicking unit and they had Riley Dixon throwing a pass to Nick Gates, who was surrounded by three defensive players and like reached back and tried to do like a one-hand snag like Odell. The anniversary of that play just happened a few days ago or it might have been last night, but mm -hmm. it was just kind of a very interesting play call. I know Freddie Kitchens was the offensive coordinator for the game, no Jason Garrett, but it was just definitely interesting to see because, I don't know, it's like, you don't really see that a lot. You know what I'm saying, Tom? It's just one of those things like that Cleveland definitely didn't expect. Um, if it worked out, it would have been very cool. But I saw the play before that. They did a lot of double moves, uh, the wide receivers, on those routes they ran. Colt McCoy just completely missed Sterling Shepard on like the left-hand side of the end zone. Yes, it happened a lot. It happened a couple times last night. But plays like that could change the game a lot. That's why I always like to look bad at, back at it like that. But um, I was a fan of them, Tom the second drive they had when they did go for it on fourth and two and they didn't get it. I was a fan of that. Excuse me. That was on the third drive. The second drive that they actually did take the points. Right. And again, it's, it all depends on the script, you know, <clears throat> how the game's going. A lot of the times when you, when coaches know the game's going to be a shootout, you know, when it's like, if it's like fourth and goal on the four, they'll go for it instead of, instead of just kicking the field goal, that first drive, Obviously, we had that huge kickoff return, which set the tone immediately. I said, wow, this is going to be a phenomenal game. We we kept driving down the field. We wound up getting stuffed. I was like, all right. I said, I'll take a field goal. Next thing I know, like you were just saying, I see number nine is throwing the ball. I go, that doesn't make sense. And I see throwing it to a guy that does not look like a wide receiver. I go, that doesn't make sense. Before I know it, though, I'm just I'm, – they stopped us on third down, and I said, all right, we're kicking a field goal. I went to pour a glass of water, right? I'm like, you know what? It's Graham Gano. We're on like the five or wherever we were. I go, we'll kick a field goal up three, nothing, get the ball right back. I come back with my water. And like I just said, the, the punter is throwing the ball. The line is trying to catch. It's just no good. I said, what the hell just happened? Tom, it happened like so fast. So fast. I, they did pan over to Joe judge as he was calling the play. And he did something with his hands like this. I don't know if people can't see it. Cause this is an audio version of the podcast. I might have to oh, make a little oh, ankle clip out of this it looked like he had like moose antlers and he was like calling up a player like pointing at his head with both of his hands so i just find it very interesting listen graham gano could have had his first touchdown catch of the year it would have been very funny because he has been putting up a lot of points for the giants yeah it was it was just a weird it was a weird game like i was uh once you know once things started getting ugly around halftime i went up into my room and i was just uh watching it in my room and I'm just, I'm sitting there. I'm like, this, this doesn't feel, I was so excited for the game. And then just next thing I know, it, it was kind of like, I think we've said this before for a few other games. It was, it was, I think we said it last week in the Arizona game. It wasn't, it felt like we didn't even start the game. We were like on a five second delay on offense. We had Cole McCoy throwing the ball, which was bananas. I, I know I tweeted last night. If nobody follows me on Twitter at Thompson urge, but uh, every time Cole McCoy thro throws the ball, I scream, Whoa. It's just, it scares me. And, but it was nice. It was nice to see him throw the ball. Obviously Seattle, he rarely, I think rarely threw any passes more than five yards. It just didn't go our way. I thought the game would be a lot closer than it was, but. Cole McCoy didn't have a bad game, Tommy. It was 19 of 31 for 221 passing yards. Um, the run game definitely was a little more quiet though. Alfred Morris was the leading rusher with seven carries for 39 yards. And then Wayne Goldman had nine carries for 29 yards. I felt like the offensive line was blocking so much better for Alfred Morris than they were for Wayne Goldman. But yeah. to touch on the offensive line, Tom, they did a very good job this week against Miles Garrett and a couple of good, that good defensive front that Cleveland has. Yes, 
their defense doesn't blow you out of the water. They do give up a lot of, you know, big time plays in the past game, but for the most part, the Giants offensive line did very well. They gave up that one sack at the end of the game. I think there was like 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Um, Andrew Thomas played a phenomenal game against Miles Garrett. And I'm going to say this, Tom, because the announcers brought it up multiple times. They said, oh, Miles Garrett, ever since he's came off the COVID reserve list, he hasn't been the same type of player. And then as I'm watching the game, like every time he was going up against Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas was just stopping him or just shoving him out wide and not letting him get any pressure on Colt McCoy. Like Colt McCoy, Tom, had a lot of time to step up in the pocket, make a few reads here and there, and then make a nice throw downfield, which was very nice to see. That was, you know, you got to credit that to Freddie Kitchens. He was able to spread out the offense more than Jason Garrett honestly has this year. He took chances downfield. He took a couple shots with Slayton, Ingram, you name it. Sterling Shepard had a nice game. Um, Looking at Sterling Shepard's stats, he had four catches for 51 yards, and Slayton had four receptions for 74 yards. But Slayton did have a few key drops there towards the end of the game. Yes, I know it wasn't even close, but – Tom, before this game started, I know like you just said it a couple minutes ago on the podcast, but you said like it felt like the Arizona game where they kind of came out flat or just wasn't the same vibe. Like for me personally, I'm so like pumped up and ecstatic for every game. But this game in particular, there are three things that kind of like steered me off course. One, it's Darnay Holmes missing his second game in a row. I love watching him. Still hasn't given up a coverage touchdown this year. Two, Bradbury going to see his own chiropractor. And then the chiropractor getting COVID, so Bradbury couldn't play. That also threw me off the rails a little bit. And then three, Daniel Jones not being able to play against Baker Mayfield. That was the matchup I really wanted to see on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, that would have been great because Baker, if anyone if, if anyone forgot, Baker kind of talked smack about Daniel Jones when the Giants first drafted him. And then I think he apologized for it on Twitter last year after Danny kept throwing all those touchdowns. But uh, listen, obviously everyone – I know there's people out there that don't think COVID's that big of a deal. Dude, COVID's serious. You see these 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 athletes are in, like, peak physical shape, and they get it. And then when they come back, clearly, there's literally clear factual evidence. They're not the same. Miles Garrett has, not, has looked very sluggish. Look at Cam Newton. I know Cam wasn't anything special when the season started, but the Patriots were, like, winning games. They, were, they, they lost at the, at the one-yard line to Seattle. He fumbled in Buffalo driving down the field to to lose the game. And then, you know, he got COVID and he came back and he just hasn't looked the same. He's looked even worse. He, again, he didn't look great when he, before he got COVID, but he's, he looks 10 times worse now. So it's, you know, the, these guys get it. Luckily, again, we haven't had any big scares. I know the whole, the whole Bradbury thing's absurd. I don't know why he would, I, I get it. <clears throat> you know, everyone's, I'm sure people like their own chiropractors, but at the same time, you got a job to do. You're playing professional football. I doubt the Giants chiropractor is, you know, it's a NFL and it's an NFL trainer. I doubt they're that terrible. You know what I mean? And and then we we missed the game. Clearly, we looked very lost without him yesterday. I, I, I texted you. I said, why does it look like we only have seven guys on defense? And that was probably with the because of the zones they were playing, trying to keep Baker and Jarvis and everybody in front of them. But we looked lost last night. It looked like they just didn't know what they were doing on both both sides of the ball. I do agree with that. And like back to what you were saying about COVID, like it's no joke. Like Tom, I'm so thankful that this like NFL season has like actually happened and has actually made it this far. But like you said, it is really no joke. And it kind of sucks when your players can't play, but you got to understand, like you can't just have someone going out there and risking the life of someone else. Like when they pan, when they pan up the Dave Gettleman and his like nice luxury suite, 
he's wearing a mask and probably all the people around him too are wearing a mask. He even did that on draft night with Joe judge while they were sitting in the same house or in the same room, he still had a mask on. So obviously it's very serious. Like look how bad Baltimore got hit a few weeks ago. Yeah. That could be the reason why they don't make the playoffs. I know. Yes. They've been on a, like a nice little winning streak right now, but Cleveland is too, bro. Cleveland's 10 and four. They might make the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. I mean, they really should. They're 10 and four, but I got to give Baker Mayfield a lot of credit. I'm going to say this right now. I know Bobby Skinner says the same thing. I do not like Baker Mayfield. One, just because of the attitude he carries. Yes, he is very confident. And I do like that out of a quarterback when they're very confident like that. But you can just tell like his personality. Ever since they showed that draft night video of him getting arrested and like jumped by like the police force and like tackling him to the ground. I always got a kick about that. But whatever he did against Kansas, like in college, you know, I'm not going to get into it. But I just don't like how cocky he really is. But I do got to give him credit. He went 27 of 32 yesterday for 297 yards and threw two nice touchdown passes. He beat the zone. He beat Patrick Graham at his own game. They were playing checkers, and he beat them. That's all I got to say. But they did. The Giants' defense kept everything in front of them. It wasn't like they were giving up long gashers down the field. It was like the Giants just couldn't get enough pressure on Baker, so he sat there, waited for his receivers to come back and turn to the ball, and he would just dump it off to him 10 to 15 yards, 20 yards. He's got a good arm. The kid's got a good arm. I hate to say it, but he played a very well game. Yeah, you could tell early on he was picking us apart, literally at the seams. And it, it, Baker is making it look easy. That's when you know we're really not playing that well. I know he's doing good lately. He's kind of heating up at the perfect time, to quote our boy JT. But uh, he's one of the he's one of those guys. I think he's that guy on Cleveland where like you know he's kind of like our Evan Ingram. He's got all the town in the world. It just takes him a little. It, t- it takes him some time to find it, and sometimes he's not going to look, look like that guy. But you know, if, if you get to choose to have Baker struggle the first two months, but heat up right now, you'll take that every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Um, Baker looked good. I guess I don't know, dude. Dude, it's just it, lo- it looked like they were toying with us the whole time. I don't really have much else to say. We uh, our offensive line played great. I know you touched on it. Colt looked like he had plenty of time to throw the ball. And that's it. Our defense would clearly, I mean, they only gave up 20 points. So I guess that's a win considering who the Browns have on offense. But uh, I was texting JT this last night because he just came off for the game preview. It didn't seem like a blowout, but like just the way the game went and how much like time like Cleveland's offense was on the field for the whole game. It was just like Arizona. I felt like the defense was out there the whole time. Dexter Lawrence was the only one to pull off a sack last night, and which is phenomenal because he played a very good game. He is a run-blocking machine. The Giants yesterday, they did a very good job stopping the run. You look at a guy like Nick Chubb, he had 15 carries for 50 yards. That was it. He averaged three yards a carry. Then Kareem Hunt had seven carries for 21 yards. The Giants did their job against the run, and it really did hurt them not having Bradbury, you know, not having Darnay Holmes. Xavier McKinney, though, you got to give him a lot of credit. He, in coverage, when he was covering someone on defense, I'll break it down for everyone, he did not allow a single reception and gave up zero yards according to pro football focus. So that's something very cool to look at. His snap count has in- increased drastically because of, you know, no Darnay Holmes, no James Bradbury. And I think it's going to continue, but he played very well yesterday. I loved seeing him out on the field because he was probably the most hyped I was for a Giants draft pick this year. Yeah, it was great to get Andrew Thomas, but Tom, I've said this a bunch on the podcast. You don't get a lineman and you're like, yeah, like to the moon, like excited. Like when you mm-hmm. get a guy like McKinney 
and you see how like versatile he really can be like that was really awesome cleveland picked up on the blitzes man their offensive line is very good they even lost one of their starting offensive guards last night or tackles and the backup came in and did his job he didn't give up any pressures he didn't give up any any sacks maybe the one sack was credited to dexter lawrence against him but they picked up every blitz man if if it was logan ryan or jabril peppers or xavier mckinney coming in they picked up every blitz and just gave baker plenty of time to throw the ball and he made the Giants defense pay, who was definitely very thin at the cornerback position. Yeah, they uh they did it. That team did a great job of rebuilding its old line because you would think within two years you lost Joe Thomas, the best left tackle maybe of all time, and then you lost your center Alex Mack. So because they're all that was always the best part about them. They were terrible all those years, but they had one of the best offensive lines in the league. They have one of the best offensive lines right now. That's what and I mean. So like that was only Joe Thomas was only retired. Not more than five years ago. Look at us. We've been trying to rebuild our old line since since 2011. But uh, hear me out. I have something to say. I got to cut you off before oh I forget this. Because you know I forget things sometimes. You do. The jump that Baker Mayfield has made from his second year to his third year is what Cleveland wanted out of him. And now they have it. Yes, the fans, he's a great coach and all. But obviously, he can do all the coaching he wants. But it's up to the quarterback on the field to get the job done. Yep. I lo- I've loved what I've seen from Baker this year, the past couple of weeks, especially, dude. That offensive line changes a team. You see it. Chubb will get nine yards one play. Kareem Hunt will get 10 yards in the next play. It's just a back and forth, like pinball machine. And then Baker will throw it downfield or make a nice 15 yard completion. And that's that. But you got to give credit where it's due. And Cleveland definitely changed that team around and that franchise. Look at them right now. They're 10 and four. Dave Gettleman, look at them. Another losing season. And this is why. I am such a big Dave Gettleman hater. The Giants are sitting at five and nine. They gave him what? This is his third, fourth year now. You're trying to see them win. You're trying to see them do better. And you're still about a, you know, possibly going to be a double-digit loss season once again. Hopefully the Giants can string out two more wins and win the division, but we'll see how everything goes, Tom. I just had to rant about that real quick because I like how Cleveland really changed their team around. Yeah, you know, I think obviously I, I mess around with you. I love just hopping on the Dave Gettleman wagon. But at the same time, you know, we're trying to clearly our team has holes that need fixing very badly. And listen, Joe judge is not the problem. If anyone thinks that judge is the problem with this team, they're there's, I'm not going to say they're dumb because it's mean, but they're silly. They're silly in the brain. Joe judge is not the problem with this team. If anything, he's the, he's the reason we're doing this good. Him and him and Patrick Graham. But, uh, I think I saw you might have liked it. I always forget to see if you like it or not because I, I I didn't follow the person on Twitter, but I saw something last night. It said obviously you fire you fire Gettleman and you let Judge run the hiring process. Like don't like don't have John Mara and Steve Tish just hire some random guy that Judge doesn't even know or didn't even get a chance to talk to because that happens a lot. They don't teams the owners don't talk to the coaches and then they hire a GM. And the coach could be doing so so much good work for the team, and then they don't get along, and then the team's back to square one. You you fire Gettleman, you let Judge find find the guy that he wants, because knowing him, he probably doesn't want to run the team like GM wise. He wants to coach the game on Sundays. He doesn't want to worry about all the front office stuff. So, but let him find a guy that he shares a mindset with. They'll be on the same page. So. Let that happen, and then I, things should work out good. Because I, well, I think Gettleman and Judge were like on the same page draft wise. Like these, th- this is who Judge wanted. So 
yeah, it made Gettleman look good that these guys are starting to pan out. But you know, Judge wanted these guys. Who the hell knew, who the hell knows who Gettleman would have picked with the fourth overall pick? But uh, yeah. I agree with you, Tom. I yeah. I really do agree with you. I think there's things that you can you can be positive about, but I do think it's time to move on. Because I'm gonna say this. This is the last thing I really got to say on this episode before okay. I completely go off rail and just throw my laptop out the window. The Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts were in the same position as the Giants in the 2018 draft. Mm-hmm. Both of those teams, Cleveland and Indianapolis, will be making the playoffs this year. Meanwhile, the Giants are still a five-win team. This is the most wins they've had under Dave Gettleman, I'm pretty sure, in like whatever the four years he's been here, four or five years he's been the Giants' general manager. Giants fans, it is time to move on from Dave Gettleman. And like Tom said, let Joe Judge be a part of the hiring process. That's what we think as fans. Obviously, you know, Tom and I are no experts, but we like to we like to make scenarios here. I think that would be a great idea for Joe Judge to be really a part of that hiring process. Because if he finds another gritty guy like him, man, oh, man, it will be exciting to see what they can do next year. Mm-hmm. But, Tom, that's really all I got to say. My last regard is I liked what Freddie Kitchens did with the offense. I like how he spread it out a lot. It felt like it wasn't very noticeable what the plays he were going to call, like Jason Garrett, where you're like, I know what he's going to do here, and it's just screaming run or pass. But that's all I really got to say. Wasn't the outcome we wanted as Giants fans, but hey, it's another year like this where, you know, things are still developing, players are still developing, but the Giants still have a shot at the playoffs, fans. If they win one more game, if Washington loses out, yes, they have Philly left and Carolina. If they lose out and the Giants beat Dallas – the Giants are in. The Giants are in at 6-10. and 10. Oy. A lot needs to happen. A lot is going to happen. So, Giants fans, that's all I got to say. I just want to, you know, once again, shout out all the listeners and followers. I really appreciate it a lot. I know Tom does too. So, yeah, that's all I got, Tom. All right. Everyone have a good day. Yep. And we will, see you, all. We will see you all on the game preview coming up this week. Big game versus Baltimore in Baltimore. Very excited, as always. Yeah, that game's going to be scary. Lamar's going to give us problems. Well, all right. Peace.